You're now listening to The Sound of Sanity. This sound will continue for the duration of the program. Welcome to The Sound of Sanity. My name is Nathan. I am your humble and obedient host. There's Ben Sulzer. He is an almost mythical figure. But not quite. In The Sound of Sanity world. But no, he, he's only made it to legendary status yet. He's not quite a myth. He has not passed into the realms of pure fiction. Man. Every story that we tell about him is based on something that actually happened. Ah, well... Like the Batman Begins trajectory. What yep. was it? I'm supposed to take advice about something in theatricality and yes, one of those brilliant lines of dialogue. I don't know. Repeat several times so that we as viewers understand the theme of. Anyway, well, Ben, it's I what think... it's what we do that uh, defines us, and what that movie does is has a bunch of gems of dialogue <laughs> that it repeats yeah. over and over again. Man, well, we just need to weave that into Sound of Sanity because well, my listeners want to hear about my journey. <laughs> if there's anything I'm convinced of, it's that. Well, as your listeners listen to you, they're going to have to put up with at least one other person. And so why don't what? you tell them the bad news? Who's horning in? Oh, it's Jake. J- Jake Menzel. He's the pastor who's a master of sanity. That's me. Yeah, I guess he's allowed to be on the show with me. <sighs> we'll just have to make do. Folks, speaking of masters of sanity... We've got another Gospel Coalition article to talk to you about. So, yeah, speaking of other things you have to put up with. (laughs) (laughs) And fun fact, we haven't even talked about it ourselves. Yes, uh, fun fact, I was... I just started reading it out loud and Nathan decided to hit record. Yep, I I, I just thought we could probably handle this one in real time. So, uh, buckle your safety belts, folks. Seats in an upright position because Jake Menzel is about to share with us a article by Matthew D. Haste. Does haste make waste? We'll find out. The article, of course, is called Adam Duritz, Meat and Steel. In the mid-1990s, singer-songwriter Adam Duritz of Counting Crows was feeling the weight of this world in all its complexity. A dear friend was suffering in a nearby hospital. The harsh winds of winter bore down on his body and soul. The end of a difficult year filled his mind with regrets, yet paradoxically inspired glimmers of hope as he looked to the future. This is an absolutely epic beginning to this article. I just want to note that. Duritz captured his thoughts in a soul-searching, somber tune, A Long December, which became one of the band's greatest hits. His lyrics wove together the complicated emotions we often feel at the end of a hard year. Quote, It's been a long December. And there's reason to believe maybe this year will be better than the last. Oh man, the weaving going on there. Considering all we have endured in the last 12 months, measured optimism seems appropriate. Much of 2020 was a long December, but maybe this year will be better. Only two months in, perhaps even that possibility feels a bit naive. Obscured by a barrage of discouraging news, discomforting realities, and shocking revelations, the hopes of a new year have yet to be realized. Many of our friends are still suffering. Many of our churches are still reeling. And winter just keeps coming. Leaving us with, quote, <laughs> the feeling that it's all a lot of oysters, but no pearls, end quote. Man. Spoiler alert, I just want yet, to cover this man's nakedness. That's all I want to do. But keep going, please. Yet as Christians, we have so much more. Our hope is not naive. 
This world may be full of oysters, but we have found our pearl. Matthew 13, 45 to 46. And it shines brighter than our darkest days. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, the Apostle Paul declared, we have both access by faith into this grace in which we stand and a hope that does not put us to shame. This hope is often most precious when cast against the stark contrast of bleak despair. Duritz was on to something. Quote, the winter makes you laugh a little slower, makes you talk a little lower. End quote. For Christians, it should also cause us to dig a little deeper to recognize how the hope we have in Christ transcends our suffering. Hard times invite reflection, but only for Christians do trials lead to rejoicing. And now we're going to connect a Counting Crows song to Ann Steele. Another world-weary songwriter, as we'll Mm -hmm. find out. In the middle of the 18th century, another world-weary songwriter put this paradox to words in A Reflection on a Winter Evening. Like Duritz would more than 200 years later, the British hymnist Ann Steele saw in the wintry landscape a metaphor for her soul. She, too, anticipated better possibilities on the horizon, but she possessed a lasting hope rooted in something more profound. Contrast between their reflections highlights the distinctive character of Christ-centered hope. First composed as a poem and later shortened into a hymn, Steele's lyrics reflected on the weight of winter's, quote, icy chains, end quote, on the world around her. In the dark, barren landscape outside, Steele saw a picture of her inner life, quote, and drooping, lifeless nature seems an emblem of my heart, end quote. This sobering realization transformed her perspective. For even as she gazed upon a desolate scene, Steele knew that spring was just around the corner when the sun would once again, quote, cheer the morning earth, end quote. But here is where the beauty of Christian hope shines so brightly. Steele's confidence did not rest in a vague sense that new seasons could bring better fortunes, but in a bold promise from the one who presides over every season. And on and on it goes. I don't really want to keep reading this. I guess I'm almost done. Yeah, might might as well. All right, here we go. Get to the big finish when it suddenly all makes sense and he draws it all together. She rests in the truth that her soul could be warmed by a, quote, bright sun, end quote, who possessed an quote, all-enlivening smile, end quote. Looking to Christ, Steele was resolved, turning her hopes into a pointed prayer. Return, O blissful sun, and bring thy soul-reviving ray. This mental winter shall be spring, this darkness, cheerful day. Steele's hope was rooted in a powerful Savior to whom she turned in the midst of her, quote, mental winter, end quote. She recognized that the rays of his light can revive the soul and turn the darkest nights into cheerful morns. What is more, even as the seasons changed, Steele recognized that winter could always invade her soul. Such is the burden of a fretful heart in a fallen world. So she concluded by looking to the world to come. O happy day, divine abode, where spring eternal reigns. In perfect day, the smile of God fills all the heavenly plains. Great source of light, thy beams display, my drooping joys restore, and guide me to the seats of day, where winter frowns no more. A century later, Following an unexpected snowstorm in the early days of 1866, Charles Spurgeon recited this hymn to his London congregation, declaring, quote, Steele's verses will just suit your mournful yet hopeful state, end quote. Indeed, even now, her words capture the paradox of persevering hope. It's been a long December, and winter is far from over. 
but there will be a last December someday. Oh, here it comes. Maybe this year will be better than the last. Maybe it will be worse. But Christians do not look to the calendar for hope. Through each passing season, alongside each hurting friend, beyond each frigid day in the forecast, we look to a land where spring eternal reigns. May we be guided and gladdened by the bright rays of that land where winter frowns no more. All right, that's enough labor. I'm say, uh, man, well, what did you guys think about that article by Matthew D. Haste? He is, by the way, an associate professor of biblical spirituality and biblical counseling and director of professional doctoral studies at the Southern Baptist Theological seminary from which he has an mdiv and a phd he is married to cheyenne and they have three kids i feel validated because i liked counting crows in the 90s and i know that song mm-hmm. and i was a sad boy once yeah and you're smart because you liked something that was basically equal to something smart and old mm-hmm. uh-huh yep. i feel cool because he weaves together the past and the present so skillfully, and I guess that's why he's the director of doctoral studies. Uh, Not just the past and the present, but also he weaves them together with biblical spirituality, which is something he's also to, a director of. With regard to the future. Right. Yeah. <sighs> it's a masterpiece of tapestry. Tapastropiece. Catastrophes. Okay, so... Jake, you brought this article to my attention. Did you have a particular point that you wanted to make? or Just the... I was gagging on the pop culture Jesus jukes and pretending that Adam Duritz has something to say to us. Well, back in Sanity, I think Mach 1, we came up with a word for this, popportunism. Yeah, that's right. Where you seize on something that is pop culturally relevant, which you could argue whether Counting Crows really even falls under that category right now. In, insofar as we're back in the 90s now. Yeah, and exactly. We've gotten past the Stranger Things of the 80s, and now we're doing 90s and baggy jeans and center parts mm-hmm. and flannel again. Yeah. And Friends and Fresh Prince and Counting Crows and that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it actually is a slightly more sophisticated popper too. The usual popper tunism, the one that I think we made the episode about was, of all things, Fifty Shades of Grey. This woman Oof. writing about the difference between Christian gray and Christian love. So she was she's in, a, in a ridiculous and, and wicked way, <laughs> taking something that was really popular at the time, <laughs> Fifty Shades of Grey. And Jesus juking it. Yeah, and Jesus juking it. Have you, have you heard of these really wicked, evil things that people, guess what? We're not like that as Christians. <laughs> well, they expose a deeper, a longing for something deeper and more. Oh, man. And so the, the longing for Christian gray is something that could only be filled up with Christian love, capital C, capital L, a.k.a. Jesus himself. Oh, yeah. That and was then so suddenly awful. you're comparing Jesus to BDSM icon. Right. Which, How did that happen? You know, sounds a little perverse to me. <laughs> Maybe a little blasphemous. Maybe just a little bit. Yeah, this isn't that bad. <laughs> no, it's not. <laughs> but it is no, sure but it's just silly. the same. It's the same exact. And the only point, really, of bringing it to anybody's attention is to just say, "Hey, guys, this is just the same dopey formula that's meant to make you feel validated for the things that you like, and also being a Christian." It has nothing to say to you. It doesn't have anything to say. What? 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 Did you what? feel sad this winter? Other people felt sad, too. Basically, it says uh, Adam Duritz, uh, Annie Steele, and Jesus Christ all felt sad, too. 
Yeah, but we have a hope that transcends the sadnesses of the last year. Yeah, it's so lame. It's pretty lame. And that's that's it. That's all it says. You could say that in one line. It's been a hard year, but at least we have the hope of Christ and of heaven. Right. Okay, now moving on. Now, or let's talk about the ways that we fail to embrace and live in light of the of that hope. Let's talk about the ways that we should live in light of that hope. Let's talk about what that can look like. Let's talk about how all the ways we can get suckered into to being depressed and wallowing in sin and despair. Let's talk about all the ways people actually did hurt over the past year. Oh, but we're not going to do any of that. Right. We're just going to allude to it being a thing with some pop culture references. And then we're going to paper over it all with Jesus. What is the point? What's and, the point? The point I, is only to flatter you mm-hmm. because he, you get his references. Well, it, to add insult to injury and to flatter you more, it's in really like faux poetic language. It's just this language that is very self-important. The harsh winds of winter bore down on his body and soul. I'm inviting you into this important story. It's just... I am a poet. I'm a poet too. On the like, as are you. If you felt this, it's because you have a bit of that, of the poetic inside of you. Right. The same as Anne Steele and Adam Duritz. But here's which I guess the... you should re- be feel really good about. Because <laughs> Counting Crows, so sophisticated in their poetry. But here is where the beauty of Christian hope shines like so brightly. Crows, but... Steele's confidence did not rest in a vague sense that new seasons like could bring Cotton better Katie. fortunes, but in a bold promise from the one who presides over every... So this is just, this is just puffery. This is just like well, pretty phrases. One thing, I'm sure we've made this point before in places, but one thing that I think I really hate about this is it implicitly lacks faith. Jake Jake just muttered into the microphone. You probably heard him, folks. I also like cotton candy. It mm-hmm. seems like the Gospel Coalition secretly feels super ashamed of cotton candy. And so they have to find a way to say, when we eat cotton candy, it's because we long for Jesus. And it's like, guys, God made cotton candy so that you could just enjoy cotton candy. Just enjoy it. You don't have to feel really bad about you have to feel bad about it. You don't have to baptize it. It can just be cotton candy. Right. And then- You can just like count, to be cotton counting candy, crows. Then we can go on to meat and potatoes and milk and things of nutritional value. But if we have to pretend like cotton candy is those things, then all you end up doing is giving people a diet of cotton candy while feeling a, a ton of shame about it. Yeah, you end up actually making people feel bad about counting crows. Once, once you've elevated it, then- <sighs> It can't bear that weight. It can't bear that weight. It was weight. never meant to bear that weight. And so it's just it's like... My, my only choices are to find how to connect something like our old buddy uh, Brett connected the hateful eight to the gospel, the vile, rapey Quentin Tarantino movie. You have to find a way to do that or, or you just, you can't enjoy it. These are, these are the two choices that they've actually... Right. Yeah. Yeah. You, you. You. either have to baptize what you shouldn't enjoy so that you can enjoy it, or you have to baptize cotton candy so that it can be a sacrament. Yeah. And it's like guys to mix <laughs> to really mix metaphors and to baptize cotton candy so it can <laughs> so be a sacrament. <laughs> <laughs> I think that that's a pretty successful phrase right there. No, I think it's really true though. They do want yeah. to be sacramental about absolutely everything. 
the, the language evil and the good when they talk culture. And there is something so perversely egalitarian about this. It it sort of removes all hierarchy. Adam Duritz really is the same as Anne Steele, really is the same as Jesus Christ. Of course, Mr. Haste or Pastor Haste or whatever, Professor Haste wouldn't say that if I asked him to, if I said, who's more important? He'd rank them correctly, right? Jesus Christ would come first and then Anne Steele and then County Cross. Yeah. But what this article communicates, the how of this article, the way it's written, the way something's done, it's just as important, it's just as important as what's done. And the way this is done communicates implicitly that these things are all kind of on the same Well, in the way that you know a level that, playing the field. Way that is when you walk away from this article, are you more likely to open your Bible and turn to the Psalms or comforting passages of Scripture, to go look up the full of Anne Steele's hymn, or to open Spotify and flip on a long December? <laughs> I can think of exactly one of those that I might ever be tempted to do, and it would be the, the latter. That's what I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. At the end of that, I was like, oh, oh yeah, I remember that song. It's a sad boy song from the 90s or whatever, or 2001 or 2000 or whenever it was. Got to be like, I'm going to say 95 or 96. Mm. But I would guess it was, yeah, yeah. mid-90s. Sounds right. But yeah, this, I don't want to be too heavy-handed about this, but I, I really do think if you don't like egalitarianism, in, say, the way that it attacks our culture through sexuality, if you don't like sexual egalitarianism, if you don't like the egalitarianism that says every dopey Disney movie is just as good as a Shakespeare play, then you shouldn't like it here because this is exactly what he's doing. He's basically just leveling everything. And the people who walk away from this article, maybe this is heavy-handed, but I don't really think it is. I think you walk away from this article, you're more ready to accept sexual egalitarianism this kind of leveling process across all of culture. If I can go to Adam Duritz and to find Jesus there and find, and find the same thing that I'll find in Anne Steele, which is ultimately Jesus. The same thing that you'd find in the Psalms. We, 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 then, then why would I bother going to Anne Steele or the Psalms? What's the essential difference? Yeah. I, well, the, the only difference is I like counting crows and find it easy. Right. And, now I can paper over any dis- differences and distinctions. I can paper over any other layers of sophistication. And it doesn't matter that he says, literally says that Anne Steele understands it better. And it all points to a thing. By using Counting Crows as a, as a springboard, he just elevates that stupid song far beyond what it's capable of bearing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, what's the difference between what he's doing and what we do when we review a movie on Sanity? We did Philadelphia Story on Sanity the movies at the movies a couple weeks ago when we talked about all the actual sexual truth as God made the universe that was found in that silly movie from 100 years ago. We're not telling people... We're not flattening everything. Well, one, we're, we're using it mostly in contrast with modern movie making and modern mm-hmm. filmmaking. So the comparisons were less saying, see biblical sexuality on display in the Philadelphia story and it all points to these other things. We are saying, hey, nature pops through here and there, mm-hmm. right? And you can do that. And you can, and you can pull a Counting Crows song if you want to and say, Adam Duritz is longing for things and he's a sad boy. I would say you could even watch, you shouldn't do this, but you could even watch hypothetically the hateful eight and say here are the ways in which god 
wrote his redemptive story into history so intrinsically that not even vile, despicable Quentin Tarantino can get away from it. Can get away from it. He has to tell that kind of a story. Right. If he's going to tell the kind of story that people are going to like and what he's going to have to allude to that. Okay. Well, will you do that? And there's a way of doing that that elevates Quentin Tarantino. And there's a way of doing that that elevates God. Mm-hmm. That says God's done things that are inescapable that even Quentin Tarantino has to bend to. God's done things that are inescapable, and sin has done things that are inescapable that Adam Duritz has to acknowledge. Okay, you can do that. That's different than saying Adam Duritz is tapping into something that that points to a greater thing. And I don't know, maybe that maybe that feels like a distinction without a difference, but I don't think it is. The the the, the difference is sort of the same. It's like the riff that we do around Christmas time, Frank Sinatra. And Mariah Carey uh, singing songs of praise to Jesus. And commanding us to fall on our knees before him. Yeah, there's there's one way of looking at that that says, see, look, even Mariah Carey feels at certain times of the year the uh, an intrinsic longing for obedience to Jesus. And there's another that says, look at what God has done. He has so shaped the world that Mariah Carey and Frank Sinatra have to feign praise mm-hmm. to him, mm-hmm. right? One is importing way more into Mariah Carey than is there. The other is just stepping back and acknowledging that God's so shaped the world. Jesus coming and being born has so shaped the world that people have to pay fake tribute. And so it's sort of the same thing. God has so shaped sexuality that the the feminist Catherine Hepburn has has to bow to it. And you see it coming out in perverse ways, sure, but you see it coming out all over the Philadelphia story. Mm-hmm. And you see the ways that Hollywood's tried to neuter that design, go from perverting it to neutering it over the history of the film industry. That's worth talking about. But to pick it up and say, actually, it's all pointing to it and is longing for it, and it's, mm-hmm. to, it's to import way too much than it, than it merits and to elevate it to something that it's not. It, it's, it's not what it is. It's not what it's trying to be. And maybe this isn't the clearest way of talking about it, but for goodness sakes. I, I think it's not easy to draw a sharp, clear line, but... <sighs> There's a way of talking about things that lets Christ actually be the dividing line between us and Quentin Tarantino. Mm-hmm. And there's another way that basically says, no, Christ is already in Quentin Tarantino. I, I, maybe that's not sharp either, but it, if you think of Paul's sermon on... Mars Hill, you worship a lot of gods, and you have a statue to an unknown god, so let me proclaim to you what you're ignorant of. If Matthew Haste was preaching on Mars Hill, what he would say is, hey guys, actually, when you were worshiping this unknown god, you were already worshiping Christ. Or it's tantamount. It's it's, it's the same thing. Maybe he would be better than that in real life in that particular instance. Because it's so clear. Because it's so clear. clear. But but that's the same trick that he's he's pulling That's right. And that's the same uh, sleight of hand trick that all of these types of articles, whether you find them at the Gospel Coalition or wherever you find them, that's what they're doing. And so the whole point of me grabbing this article and saying, hey, maybe we should do an episode on this, and Nathan turning on the mics was just like, everywhere we see this sleight of hand trick, it makes us sick. Mm-hmm. And these guys should be better than that, and you should uh, be tuned in, keyed into it, and not be flattered by it, and be able to step back and say, "Hey, wait a minute, 
this isn't good, this isn't helpful, this is actively harmful, and what's going on here? What would have actually been good or helpful? Matthew Haste was listening to an old 90s playlist because he grew up in the 90s or whatever, and The Long December came, came on and captured something about the way he's felt about the last year. Okay, you can write that article, but this isn't that. Mm-hmm. You can say, 2020 has been hard, and I was listening at a spot, I had Spotify open the other day, and A Long December came on, and I know it's a dumb, cheesy Counting Crow song, but kind of speaks to where I'm at and where I've been, and that caused me to reflect on things. And then you can go, you can, you can, you can springboard off that actually, but that's not being some kind of opportunistic weirdo who's going to pull together Adam Duritz and Ann Steele into some kind of like mumbo jumbo Jesus hope Mm -hmm. vibe that you're just supposed to walk away with. It really is the difference between saying this is a springboard and it leads me to think about this and saying... I found out that this is already holy. Let me tell you about it. Yeah. Quentin Tarantino, it's holy, actually. If only you understood Terrence Malick, he's holy. If only you knew the joy of carpool karaoke, that it's, it's actually holy. And when you watch it, you're near God himself, because this is holy stuff. It's transcendent. And all transcendence, and all feelings of transcendent, transcendence must be... Of God. I must mean, be of God. And so then you become just a... Religious universalist, in that sense, because you're just baptizing. You, you you won't be so gauche as to baptize the transcend transcendental stuff that you find in Buddhist thought or philosophy or Hindu thought or philosophy, but you will with pagan pop culture. Mm-hmm. And if pagan pop culture happens to be keying off of Buddhist philosophy and its pop culture way, well, you can baptize that, or you will. Yeah. Well, and there again, once you've elevated Duritz and steel to both being gods in your pantheon, there's no essential difference. And all you have to do to step back to see that, you feel like that's a step too far. Just think about the absurdity of putting Adam Duritz next to Anne Steele, poetically. That's a joke. You don't have to go farther than the lyrics that he quotes in that article to see, Anne Steele knew how to write some memorable poetry. There's a reason she's endured. Right. Duritz was just writing something for... A pop song in 96 is fine. I don't have a problem with that, but... Duritz is not going to endure. Counting Crows is not going to endure. They're not that good. It's okay that they're not that good. Mm-hmm. Let's be okay with them not being that good. But to compare, to even talk about Adam Duritz and Ann Steele, like what weird pulls. Right. What weird, what a weird thing to do. What a bizarre reach. Right. Like, and then, but, but then you put them on the same plane. They're not. They're just not. They're not on the same plane. Let's not pretend like they are. Okay, when you can acknowledge that, then you can begin to acknowledge, hey, also, (laughs) there's a third step that's happening here. Mm -hmm. And it's not being said, and it would be denied, and it's implicit, and it's roundabout, but the impact is real. And that impact is you you keep thinking this way, and you keep talking this way, and you, you begin to just sort of you know, why go to scripture when I can get my catharsis from Counting Crow songs and Quentin Tarantino movies? Mm-hmm. Well, and with the Marxists currently breathing down our neck with, all, with these, these philosophies of equity and the idea that not only do we have to have equal opportunity, but we all have to have equal outcome. It's the same spirit that's informing this. I really think it's the same spirit that's saying, 
uh, we can't essentially distinguish between the hierarchy of Duritz, Steel, and Jesus Christ. There, there's, there's no, there's nothing that about those three that we can say one is better than the other. In fact, they're just all part of a continuum that forces us towards transcendence. Towards a general recognition of a gospel narrative or something of life. Right. And look, each one of these people, Matt Haste and Brett McCracken, would be better than this in real life. That is not the effect. That is not what they're doing in these articles. And that's not what they're teaching and training people to do. They're not teaching and training people to be better than that. Mm -hmm. They're pandering Mm -hmm. to people who just want to like their pop songs and their movies. And that's that's gross. It also, something one of you just said about catharsis sparked a thought, which is the shape of these articles, like what they do, we already said they don't I mean take this one, it doesn't give you any ideas or any scriptural understanding really of anything, including how bad you feel about 2020. Yeah, it does no analysis about no how, analysis. You, how you feel about 2020. Right. It has no analysis of the ways that you are tempted to despair, be dis- d- depressed or discouraged. It has no analysis about ways to encourage you to hope or even what to hope for. For yeah. Except we have we, we have a hope, mm-hmm. right? That's bigger right. and better. And it is vaguely to do with Jesus, mm-hmm. right? That's it. It's supposed to leave you with a feeling. Right. It, it, is, it is. The shape of the article is just catharsis. Have a little catharsis. Which there's, there are whole genres of articles that you can do. There's the personal essay, which is just supposed to capture a feeling, a mood. I went to the park yesterday and watched the autumn leaves blow across and I had these thoughts. You can write that sort of thing, but it really helps if it's in the New Yorker and you're upfront about, oh, what okay, I, I open this article. I look at the title. I look at the picture. I kind of know that's what it's going to be. And the Gospel Coalition, whether through negligence or malice, is never upfront about this kind of thing. If there may be a place to say, here's a little catharsis, but when you think you're getting help, when you think you're getting some medicine, and instead what you're getting is just kind of a blah placebo of feelings. Dude, yeah. just, just republish the Ann Steele poem and say... I was thinking about 2020 and I found this poem helpful and encouraging. Here you go. Yep. Uh, that's fine. Or, 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 write, or write about how Counting Crows is your, your, your thing and it really meant something to you and, and publish that article in the appropriate place, place which is yeah. your blog. Yeah, that's, that's funny. It actually... Facebook. Yeah, Facebook. Yeah, which is... <laughs> <laughs> Twitter, yeah. maybe. <laughs> well, yeah. What, what's... Yeah, it is funny that even the Counting Crows song would offer, if you just read it, it would be more substantial than this article. Well, Ben, let's put that to the test. Uh, I'm going to do it. Yeah, maybe I'm lying. Well, the Ann Steele poem would be. Oh, absolutely, Ann Steele. Oh, yeah, there's no... We don't even have to go there, but... All right. A long December, and there's reason to believe maybe this year will be better than the last. I can't... Re- Stupid pop-ups. I can't remember the last thing that you said as you were leaving. Now the days go by so fast. And it's one more day up in the canyons, and it's one more night in Hollywood. If you think that I could be forgiven, well, I wish you would. The smell of hospitals in winter and the feeling that it's all a lot of oysters but no pearls. All at once, you look across the crowded room to see the way that light attaches to a girl. And it's one more day up in the canyons and it's one more night in Hollywood. If you think you might come to California, I think you should. 
Drove up to Hillside Manor sometime after 2 a.m. and talked a little while about the year. I guess the winter makes you laugh a little slower, makes you talk a little lower about the things you could not show her. And it's been a long December, and there's reason to believe maybe this year will be better than the last. I can't remember all the times I tried to tell myself to hold on to these moments as they pass. And it's one more day up in the canyon, and it's one more night in Hollywood. It's been so long since I've seen the ocean. I guess I should. I think Ben's that, right. That would, in fact, be better. No, that, that it's, poem... It's a pretty evocative. It, it's a poem that captures a certain sort of California malaise in the middle of winter. And it's something that we can relate to, and we can get something out of it knows what it's doing and it does it effectively yeah and it ends with a little bit of catharsis it's been a long time since i've seen the ocean i guess i better get up out of this malaise and go maybe see some beauty (laughs) but that's precisely because it stays in its lane and exactly it knows knows what it is it knows what it's trying to be it's not trying to do anything more (sighs) i you write the write the write the article where you said you listened to this song and you realized that you'd been depressed and Duritz ends with, I guess I should go to the ocean mm-hmm. and say how that encouraged you to get outside, to get up and go outside for a walk in the sunshine and take a step toward dealing with yourself and dealing with God. Okay, that's, a, that's an article you can write. You know what I think would really help that article if he was going to write it is a little thing called a sense of humor, which, in, which, in, which encourages, yeah, which encourages someone to have some perspective and realize that while it might feel very real to you to be moved to deal with your depression through a Counting Crows song, it's actually kind of ridiculous. It's pretty silly. And you should be able to stand outside of yourself and, and, and just, and, and you could still write a good article about it, but part of writing that good article would be to let other people see, oh, this is kind of silly. This is the ridiculous it, pablum that it, makes it, us have our breakthroughs. Mm-hmm. And, and isn't it sweet? That God uses dumb things like Counting Crows songs to help us. Isn't that sweet? I was reading my Bible this morning. I didn't get anywhere. I flipped on a Counting Crows song. Is that because Counting Crows song is more potent than scripture? No, it's because I'm that dumb. It's because I'm that dumb. And God's that kind. And God's that kind to us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's exactly right. Yep. He's that generous. Yeah. It's not elevating the stupid Counting Crows song anymore. Mm-hmm. It's elevating the kindness and mercy of God to use dumb things like a popcorn song from the 90s to awaken you to, oh yeah, I should, (laughs) I've been feeling this weight and it would be good to go out and get some sun or go see the ocean or Mm -hmm. something. I have to believe he would stop elevating himself too with his flowery, self-important writing. It just sounds so self-important, the way that he writes. Yeah, only Christians get away with this kind of stuff. I mean, honestly. Well, yeah, because the pagans would just blast it to bits. Unless they wrote for Vox or something. What are you trying to do here? You trying to write a poem? Just write a, write a poem, dude. The harsh winds of winter bored down on his body and soul. Oh, dear. Man. Well, it's, I think that's what he... Just I mean, because you read some Wendell Berry in high school doesn't mean that... Because <laughs> it does. Uh, Jake, he's in biblical counseling. He understands what people feel and he wants to evoke feeling. I think that's part of it is biblical counseling movements in Christianity are full of self-inflated emotional language. Yeah, that is actually more damning. Maybe he wasn't trying to evoke something with language. Maybe this is just how this guy's been taught to write and think. Maybe that's a separate episode. But I read a a counseling book by someone who's not a Southern Baptist that has bad prose and just sounds, just it is self-important and mawkish. Well, guys, I suppose the devil could come out and say, why are you being so hard on this guy? He just wanted to 
use something silly to point people towards Jesus, but. Sure. He should have done that. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) He failed. (laughs) (laughs) He used something silly to point people to himself and back to the something silly. (laughs) In the meantime, managing to demean Jesus. So not well done job, Matthew Haste. Haste, you made some waste. I'm so sorry. <laughs> Is that the name of this episode? Haste, haste makes waste. I think so. <laughs> and even if we had some scissors and paste, I don't uh, think we, <laughs> we could de-waste. Make it to our taste. We could make it to our taste. It'd be interesting to try, but also incredibly boring and not very interesting to try. All right, folks. Glad you could join us. Hey, here's here's a point for you. We all do this. We all find places where we're talking to our coworker or something and they start to talk about let's let's say they start to talk about woke ideology instead of just saying that's bad and sharing the gospel with them you're tempted to what's the quickest way that i can conflate their woke ideology with the gospel what's the easiest way that i can take the thing that they like and dress it up as jesus i think we all do it so it's not just matthew mm-hmm. haste it's all of us we're all tempted to do it. Don't do it. All right. Sound of Sanity. Ooh, what was it done? Brought to you by Kellogg's Corn Flakes. And now we're going to be sued by Kellogg's. <laughs> Please don't sue us. Oh, no. <laughs> Ben's being drugged off to jail. <laughs> uh, that's too bad. Well, folks, he was our associate producer. And Jake was one of our executive producers. I was a producer and an executive producer and, you know, patreon.com forward slash sound of sanity. All kinds of good stuff there. (sighs) Until next time. Stay sane.